Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor and host of We're Gonna Be All Right. Fascinating person, it will be a great breakdown. Top story of the day, CNN criticized, rightfully so, for platforming a known liar and convicted sexual abuser, Donald Trump. Here's how some of it went. Millions of votes and all you have to do is take a look at government cameras, you'll see them. People going to 28 different voting booths to vote, to put in seven ballots apiece. I never met this woman. They could kill the baby in the ninth month or after the baby was born. I did finish the wall. We don't have ammunition for ourselves right now. We don't have ammunition for ourselves, we're giving away so much. If I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. Get boxes sent to Chinatown, Chinatown, where they don't speak even English in that Chinatown we're talking about. Basically what he did on Fox News. So no one is surprised by anything he said. Nothing he presented was newsworthy. It was a repetition, a repeat of all of his greatest hits known as lies. Now the reaction from Jake Tapper was telling, but definitely on point. Here it is. It was an interesting night. Mr. Trump's first lie was told just seconds into the night with his false familiar claim that the 2020 election was, quote, a rigged election. And the falsehoods kept coming fast and furious about the January 6th insurrection, about the threat to Vice President Pence, about Pence's ability to overturn the election, about COVID, about the economy and more. He called a black law enforcement officer a thug. He said people here in Washington, D.C. at Chinatown don't speak English. He attacked Caitlin as a nasty woman because she was trying to get him to answer a question. Perhaps most chillingly, the day after a nine-person jury of his peers in New York found him liable for sexual battery and defamation and ordered him to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $5 million, he made fun of her account of her sexual assault. And many in the audience laughed. The audience was actually heavy with Trump loyalists. And you could tell by the way he connected to those on the front row in particular. Now let's say this about CNN, Jake Tapper is correct. The irony is he works for CNN. If we criticize those who engage in platforming, understand this, the criticism is fair on one hand, unfair on the other. Now CNN, I believe, completely screwed this up. If you're going to invite a person like Donald Trump, platform Donald Trump. And keep in mind, I'm saying this from the perspective of a man who hosts a show that platforms the opposite opinion on a regular basis. So this is not about Trump having ideological principles that may differ from yours. It's not what this is about. When I platform an adversarial person who is hell bent on destruction and chaos, as you all have said, Trump is on CNN. They're not coming to do an interview with me, they're coming to be dealt with. And the spirit of that particular exchange should have been in that stance, my opinion only. But CNN, you all have said on record, Donald Trump started the insurrection that makes him a terrorist. 
You all have said on record that he likely committed sexual assault and the offenses that have been launched at him for years, many of them likely true, if not all. You all have made it clear Donald Trump is adversarial to the progress of this nation. And then after a jury convicted him of sexual assault and defamation, you all platformed the individual. Think about the liability connected to that. The man was just found guilty by a jury of defamation. You platform him. What if he defamed somebody during that interview? Lie. What if he does that? Can you say in good faith you had no idea that was going to happen? According to the courts, according to court rulings, you should have. All right. So the day after the jury held Trump liable, guilty, responsible for sexual abuse and defaming writer E. Jane Carroll and awarding her five million in damages, the former president was for some reason given the opportunity to take the stage at CNN Town Hall Wednesday night and defend himself. And as expected, Trump shirked all responsibility for the sexual assault by claiming he's never even met Carol. All right, so we we know that's a lie. Uh, remember, remember, there's actually a picture, okay? But the jury convicted this individual, and CNN platformed him. He was able to bring her up once again in a disparaging way. CNN, are you going to reach out to her to make sure she has an opportunity like you gave Donald Trump? Let's do a town hall. Let her spill the beans, so to speak, say what she wants to say. I mean, after all, you all platform Donald Trump. There's more. Trump played his usual hits to an appreciative audience throughout the town hall. The audience was very friendly to him. He falsely called the election rigged. He said the crowds gathered in DC on January 6, 2021 were there with, and I quote, with love in their hearts for a, and quote, beautiful day. He said he was inclined to pardon many. Remember, they committed terrorism of those convicted of January 6 related offenses. He, he empathized with the four Proud Boys members convicted of seditious conspiracy last week. In Washington, DC, he said, you cannot get a fair trial. You cannot, just like in New York, you can't get a fair trial. More laughs, more applause. Why? Because CNN platformed him, okay? Remember when he was running for reelection and he told the Proud Boys to stand by, right? Remember he said that? Remember he was challenged on that? Biden even challenged him. He said, what do you mean by that? Stand by. He says, "Oh, I, I don't even know the Proud Boys, never really heard of them. Don't know much about him at all, lies. Part of the plan from the beginning, exactly where this nation is headed is where Trump and his cronies wanted it to be. The only people who can stop it is you and I, that is it. For now, democracy is still intact, but barely. You can still vote, your vote for the most part will still be counted. That may not be the reality of our future if we do not step up and be bold. All right, dear brother, what are your thoughts here? There's no way, as you alluded to, CNN did not see this coming. 
And we had an example of what this could be merely five weeks ago when 60 Minutes interviewed Marjorie Taylor Greene with right. Leslie Stahl. Right. Leslie Stahl didn't put up much of a barrier or a fight when it came to MTG's lies. And I will give Caitlin Collins some some credit. She tried to fight. She tried. She put, yeah, she, she, she tried. She put up a fight. But she was put in a really difficult situation for what? In the interest of appearing to be fair and balanced and nonpartisan? Wasn't worth it. I'm glad CNN is being killed. And as a leftist progressive myself, when people always accuse me of being like a CNN fan, which I, 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 I hate watch Fox News way more than I even glance at CNN, but whatever. I'm glad they're getting this today and they need to get this because they were getting this in the weeks in advance before this even took place. They knew what was gonna happen, they made their bed and I'm hoping that they're getting some restless sleep in it right now. All right, yeah, you know, everything cannot be about ratings, which means everything cannot be about money. Um, I do believe that there has to be principle applied and in the long run, it bends in your favor. All right, a man, a man decides to physically assault, all right, a bus aide. Put up his picture full mass. I'm going to give you the background to this hellacious story. So a Florida man, okay, smacks a school bus aide over the son being suspended. Ezra Burgess Cruz, a father in Central Florida is facing multiple charges after being accused of attacking and threatening a black school bus aide because his son, was suspended from riding the bus. We have screenshots of the video. Looks like the apple did not fall far from the tree. A video taken by another middle schooler aboard the bus shows the father coming into the bus without permission, yelling profanity at the school bus aide and driver, and then striking, physically striking. The black school bus aide. The quote, shut the up, yelled Mr. Cruz in the video. Mr. Cruz then proceeded to shove a piece of paper in the aide's face and said, quote, This is going to be the last time, the last time he snatches the aide by his lanyard in an attempt to grab him. The incident ended with the 50 year old father making another violent threat before exiting the bus. If I hear something else about my son, you're gonna see what's gonna happen. Cruz is heard yelling at the bus aide as he gets off the bus. The incident reportedly took place on May 2nd. And the next day a student reported it to a school resource officer at the Okala area Lake Weir Middle School. The Marion County Sheriff's Office launched an investigation after they saw the footage. They located Burgess Cruz, questioned him, and then proceeded to arrest him on probable cause for battery. That's according to Fox 35. So Burgess Cruz told police he had permission to come aboard the bus and denied striking anyone contrary to the video we have. As for Burgess Cruz, he was arrested on May 3rd. His bond was set at 17,500, he was released May 4th, okay? He's now facing one felony count of battery on a public or private education employee, one felony count of burglary and a misdemeanor charge of disturbing the peace. Uh, they would likely drop the burglary charge and look that statute doesn't really fit. But in Florida, 
Okay, so let's talk about what's happening in local jurisdictions and local jurisdictions as it relates to education in particular. There has been this push, obviously, by Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. And this push has been parental freedom and parental control, right? What it really has done, it, it has allowed parents, <clears throat> excuse me, to do what Ron DeSantis wants to do, but he does not have the political clout to do it by himself. He doesn't want to spend political capital getting rid of particular books that actually teach people to think, all right? He doesn't want to do that, too much political capital. So he sets up this bureaucracy of parents and he says, you are empowered, you are now in control and you control the school. So there's one objection, all of a sudden, an entire series of books can be banned. But see, it doesn't just stop there. This is a psychology that introduces a psychosis. When you have that level of, I guess you can call it parental privilege, that is out of bounds as it relates to common sense. Naturally, you may produce a person like him here and there who believes that power must extend to the bus route. That power has to extend to me being able to assault you and telling you, let this not happen again. Is Florida. Dear brother, thoughts. I'm glad you said the uh, the apple doesn't fall from from the tree because I didn't put that together initially. That his child got suspended, probably for a good reason, and therefore he's going to step on a bus, blame the wrong person, not take accountability, and go off on people. I can't see that child also doing that moving forward. And I'm glad you brought up Florida's parental rights and everything because I've always wondered, and I think we know the answer. Let's say a parent does want a specific book in the Florida, in a library, in a school in Florida. Do they have the rights to do that? Nope. Even if they want to ban a book, I don't think that's the case. So it's kind of like only a few parents who line up the ideology of Ron DeSantis have parental rights. Meanwhile, other parents who don't mind their kids reading something that is more either more provocative or I don't know, like you said, allows kids to think, we don't have that. So yeah, that's where we're moving yep. really, really fast. Yep. All right. What if I told you a young man, he has a prosthetic leg, right? Airline, they lose it. It's worth about $27,000. They offer him 600 bucks. Uh, this is unacceptable. Let's put up the picture full mass. Okay. Michael Williams. A St. Louis handicapped man is upset with American Airlines and rightfully so, claiming his prosthetic leg was lost during a 2020 flight from Indianapolis to St. Louis. The leg was lost somewhere between the Indianapolis, Indianapolis International Airport, the layover in Charlotte and Williams arrival at Mound City. They rolled me downstairs to the baggage claim, he said. I'm sitting there waiting for my luggage to come off and it never comes off. He explained that before boarding the flight, he checked the bag in with a service clerk. He also said the bag was marked fragile, all right? According to Mr. Williams, after no one at the airport could help him locate his prosthetic leg, 
He submitted a claim. He submitted a claim through the airline's delayed or damaged baggage protocol system and verified when he lost it. Okay? The filing went through, but only a partial payment was rendered to the man. He received a whopping $600 for an item for his prosthetic leg that cost $26,650. Williams asked about receiving compensation for his leg a few weeks later. And a representative allegedly told him, and I quote, we don't have enough proof or evidence to pay for the leg. So we're not going to pay for the leg. The man's biggest issue is that the aluminum leg was custom fit for him, a rarity for the artificial appendage, but it makes it much more usable, much more durable. For the St. Louisan, his experience has traumatized him in ways he never imagined. It's to the point where I don't wanna fly. I feel like if I fly again, what if I have to fly with my wheelchair? And they lose my wheelchair this time, William said. And they tell me, we lost your power wheelchair, but hey, we're not gonna do anything about it. It's like, what do you do? Um, so let's go ahead and put up the uh, CEO. So uh, Robert Isom, he's the CEO of American Airlines. American Airlines Group is the official name. Uh, it's principal subsidiary company, uh, Fox uh, to Street St. Louis now has contacted American Airlines several times over the last week regarding the situation. No one has responded. Uh, Texas native, uh, Emily, to it had a very similar experience, okay? She lost her waterproof prosthetic leg on a three hour flight from Austin to San Diego. This was September 1st, 2022. Like Williams, she said she spent hours talking with the airlines, talking with employees, trying to get a property back or at least get reimbursed. She hit a dead end also. Um, these things happen, that was with another carrier, I believe. These things happen, right? Uh, luggage gets lost, okay? Understandable, mistakes happen. But companies like yours should remedy those mistakes. The lifeblood of your entire operation depends on us volunteering our money to you because there is competition in the marketplace. We do not have to utilize American Airlines. So I would recommend to the CEO to not only treat individuals better than you have treated this man, but to make sure your policies are intact. You cannot talk about uh, diversity, equity and inclusion without talking about individuals that may have a disability. You cannot talk about your uh, appreciation for diversity among your workforce and your consumer base without taking care of folks that may have unique circumstances. Uh, it is clear that he did not lose his prosthetic leg himself, it was lost in transit. If you cannot track it down, if you cannot figure out who's responsible, fine. That has no bearing on the fact that this man did not lose his leg himself, all right? I really get sick and tired, Jeff, of these stories where you literally have a major company who refuses to do simple things for those that already have a complex life. Thoughts. Well, 
we don't even go have to go through the profit margin of what American Airlines makes per year. They can afford that prosthetic leg if they so chose to. Among the many things that are disturbing about the story was the fact that Michael Williams says he has been working with American Airlines for almost three years. I thought this was an immediate thing, maybe something that happened earlier this year. But apparently this was in the throes of the pandemic. So this has been awful. And you're right, Dr. Richie. We don't have to utilize American Airlines, and American Airlines should be ashamed of themselves. This is Southwest Airlines behavior. Do better. Damn, man, that was that was unnecessary, but funny. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show. I have some comments to read. I appreciate everyone in advance for always joining the conversation. Sometimes we can't get to everybody, but we definitely try to mix it up. We try to make sure that we include you all. I have some reminders as well that we need to get in for today. Don't forget, we're still helping our dear brother, all right? Sam Randolph, he was on the program not too long ago talking about his wrongful conviction was in prison 21 years for a crime he never committed. He has been fully exonerated despite being exonerated and released. Sam is currently disabled, confined to a bed. His family and friends are asking for financial contributions of any amount to reach the goal of 100,000. That's to support the services he will need after the surgery he will have. All right, do the very best you can. I appreciate you. Okay. Oh, all right. Sodium American, salt, spangled dragon. People are trashing CNN for this, but the way I see it, this far reaching disgust is stark and necessary reminder that we have to band together and vote to prevent this man from getting back into the White House. It does remind you of how horrible Trump is. So there's this entertainment factor that disappears when you realize you're watching real life and not SNL. This is actually real. Uh, then the humor goes away, entertainment is gone. Uh, all right, you two, uh, Rose Rosie, it's a piece of your body, totally disrespectful to treat people like this. But to the airlines, we are noting, we are nothing but cattle. Uh, Tyler Hackner, gifted one indisputable, thank you so much for that. Lawrence Calibert, thank you for that. Uh, so we're not going to talk about Jim Clyburn working with Republicans to dilute black voters across the state, save his own seat. The ProPublica piece should be talked about more. Um, I need to get, I need to dig into that. Um, I've been critical of the congressman in the past for other decisions uh, that he has made and things he has said on record, on record. See, this is what happens when there's a flirtation or full adoption of mainstream politics of any form. You see, in order to be authentic to the people that elected you, You must at times be offensive to those you are colleagues with. If you do not offend your colleagues in the US Congress, you are offending the people who put you there. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel great, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Giving my receipt. Oh, 
Ma'am, please leave the restaurant. I want your... my receipt back. I'll give you, you a new receipt. I want my receipt. I want my receipt. Give me my receipt. I'll wait. Just... Not until I have the receipt. Just give me the receipt. Give me the receipt. Oh, oh man, man, what the? Don't do See, this is about a Karen, not really wanting the receipt, but wanting her way. <laughs> and how dare these individuals who are not of her caliber, her status as a Karen. How dare they withhold something from her? So this does become an argument rooted in Karenicity when you realize the person who's making the request doesn't give a damn about the receipt. Okay, doesn't care. So she proceeds to commit a few alleged crimes. One, battery. Two, criminal trespass. Three, maybe disturbing the peace. Four, possibly destruction of property. Now, do you really think this was about a receipt? Of course not. That receipt has no real value to care and anyone else. What this is about is simply Putting others in their place, so to speak, showing your dominance by getting them to do something you've demanded them to do, while at the same time behaving in a way that's contrary to law, decency, and respect. Now, yes, Karen, they could have handed you the receipt after you acted an ass. I am glad they did not. You do not always get your way, madam. Things like this should teach you a lesson. So we provide an opportunity for a mirror, for you to see yourself, judge yourself, see your reflection and maybe change. All right, dear brother, thoughts on this? Well, until she sees herself and she sees her own reflection, I'm gonna judge her a little bit because again, it wasn't about the receipt. If she used a debit card or a credit card, the proof of purchase would be in there. So it wasn't about the receipt, it was about exacting dominance to her anger or fury or whatever physical attributes she thinks she has over someone else. Get on out of the store, please, ma'am. That's all we needed. That's right. Uh, big ups to the workers. You handled that quite well, mm -hmm. all right? Employees of the year in my book. All right, got something for you. Double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday. You're I feel afraid, back off. I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Uh, my daughter told him not to come over here. Hey. My daughter told him not to come over here. Period. We're not trying to start crap. We're neighbors. Come on. Crap happens. Just leave him alone. Maybe take care of your child. This is between us. Because you're the homeowner, right? Yeah. It's fine. Go back to Mexico. Go. Bye. 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 Hey, next time I hope he hits him in the neck. 
My research has concluded there is a Karen gene, ladies and gentlemen. There is a Karen gene and it exists in families across America. This whole damn family was a cackle of Karens. Now let me explain the scene. Their dog, according to the allegation, went into the neighbor's yard. The neighbors are of Hispanic ancestry. The neighbors noticed that the dog had bitten their child. Naturally, this is an upsetting thing. But the family responsible for the dog acted as if the neighbors were somehow out of line for addressing the issue with the dog. By saying things like, you should take care of your child, take care of your kid. And then bringing the dog back and acting as if they were going to attack the neighbors, calling them various names. This is the injury the child suffered. Wait, wait. Okay, get the picture. This was a serious injury, all right? Serious injury. Let's put up screenshot. All right. We call that Alpha Karen. Um, she's in charge of the Karen family. Legend has it that every Karen tribe has a leader. That leader is always a white female. I'm just saying what the research shows. Okay. All right, Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, dear uh, indisputable viewer, this is why the show is so dope because we learn so much, so much along the way. And one thing that might be underrooted in all of this is I was under the impression that a group of Karens was not called a cackle. I thought they were called a complaint. And so I have been enriched <laughs> by all of this justice yeah. for that family and everything. And let's expose that woman for who she is. Queen Karen, the leader of the Karens, who will raise new future Karens along the way. I cannot re, uh, I can't wait to read your study, Dr. Richie. It's coming. Believe it. Like I'm so serious. I may actually do something uh, on this whole. You know, wouldn't put it past you, man. Wouldn't even put go. it past you. All right, cops decide to handcuff a nine-year-old child. We're going to talk about that on the other side. We got more news and talk. Thirteen eight. We got more indisputable. I got too many shows. Indisputable on the other side. Welcome. We got a lot of show left. Let me read more amazing comments and commentary. Um, all right. The architect, Dr. Richie, Karenism isn't genetic. It spreads like a disease. Ooh. What if it's both? Oh my gosh. Wow. Hmm. I got more research to do. Thank you for that insight. Okay, we have Savage Bear. Not about the receipt, just entitlement. That's right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Correct. Correct. 
and let's go to Twitch. Uh, I am soccer underscore. I'm sorry, but if someone's dog bites my kid, then they get in my face like that. I'm getting the dog test for rabies. I'm getting the dog test for rabies. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's interesting. Um, very sad situation. So cops decided it was a good idea to handcuff a nine-year-old child experiencing a mental issue, mental health issue. Uh, so here's what I want to do. We're talking about Massachusetts. Put up the picture for mass here. Uh, so Massachusetts, they have a district, school district called Walpole. And the police department in this district, they have now come under fire for calling multiple officers to a classroom, to a classroom to respond to a nine-year-old black student's health crisis, mental health crisis. Police decided, well, let's go ahead and handcuff him to a pole to restrain him before taking him to a local hospital where authorities held him in adult custody. Mm. He's nine years old. The lawyers for the civil rights for civil rights alongside Anderson Krieger LLC law firm wrote a letter to both the school system and the police department demanding the district take action and implement wide ranging reform. There should be a policy against this. The letter recounts the incident that happened on January 12th. A third grade student with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder and delayed intelligence became dysregulated while in his elementary school class according to both groups. The student's individualized education plan has procedures in place to apply positive reinforcement that will help regulate his behavior. Instead of implementing those measures, the staff called the school resource officer who then called in backup from the Walpole Police Department. Two cops arrived and forcibly handcuffed the child and restrained his arms and his legs. At that point, he was taken to a nearby hospital and held in custody where he was unable to reach his mother until he was discharged and treated him like an adult criminal and he was neither. Put up the picture, Erica Richmond. Ms. Richmond, an attorney with the lawyers for civil rights stated, and I quote, the actions taken by Walpole Public Schools and the police department against this nine-year-old boy were egregious, age inappropriate, and directly contradicted the school's own guidance for regulating his behavior. Um, now, I do have more information, but I want to say this about the individualized study or education plan. This is something pretty common in educational systems throughout the country, where you have a structured and agreed to plan. Typically, this plan is created by parent, administrator, and um, faculty, okay? And you follow this protocol. Well, this protocol can also be regulated by the federal government. It gives them authority because you're dealing with an individual who has a stated disability. So that brings the federal government oversight in potentially. My point is for those who are reviewing this case, for the lawyers that are involved, just remember that as you move forward. There's more. She said, the incident exemplifies the adultification of black children. We've talked about that on this show. This is a form of discrimination where black children are perceived and treated as older than they are. 
and WPS staff did frequently describe the child as big for his age, end quote. And stronger than he looks, the letter both groups wrote also cites this case as an example of the over policing of black school children. Which by the way leads to the school to prison pipeline because we're treating our children like criminals, especially those who happen to be black or brown or from poor communities in general. A legal memorandum of understanding, Massachusetts schools addresses the powers of school resource officers. It states, and I quote, school staff should not ask, shall not ask SRO to serve as a school disciplinarian or enforcer of school regulation. Additionally, the document states the school resource officers should not use, and I quote, use police powers to address traditional school discipline issues, including nonviolent disruptive behavior. However, for issues of safety, the school can request an SRO who may act to de-escalate the immediate situation where feasible and to protect the physical safety of members of the school community. Um, so they said something without saying anything, right? So they basically <laughs> presented what the statute and the policy says without giving us their understanding and context of what happened. Uh, naturally, you don't call the police on a nine year old who's simply having an upset moment, not harming anybody. This was insane. We're going to follow it as it develops. Jeff thoughts. Well, again, this child had attention, has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and delayed intelligence. This will only make these conditions worse moving forward. That's kind of how things are when it comes to law enforcement from time to time. Which, by the way, law enforcement, they're often trained as warrior cops. So you send in a warrior cop mm -hmm. who has weapons, who has defense techniques being trained upon them, who has armor, and who has backup. And they were unable to properly contend with this child's behavior. This is an awful situation. Yeah, what happened to calling the parent? Uh, remember, parents were not alerted until he was discharged from the hospital. All right, that's according to the report. Um, white supremacy, white supremacy in the US military, at least one senator, he seems to be cool with it. Let's put his picture up full mass. All right, he looks like a guy that would be cool with white supremacy in the military. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville doesn't think white supremacy in the military is really an issue. When posed the question if he believed white nationalists should be allowed to serve in the military. This Senator said in referring to the Biden administration, they call them that, I call them Americans. Senator, I gotta hand it to you, sir. Hey, at least I know where you stand. You understand? I know where you stand. I'm not going to be confused by the policies you support because I know exactly where you stand. I need you to call all of your racist ass members of Congress <laughs> and encourage them to do exactly what you have done. To be bold about your racism rather than cloak. US Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama said there should be no efforts, none, to block different ideological groups. So he is saying racism is just an ideology, okay? Including white nationalists 
from serving in the military and criticized President Joe Biden for taking steps to remove them, even as concerns about extremism in the military dates back to the Trump administration. Uh, so before I go to what he said in an interview, let, let's get this straight. He believes racism is an ideology, a political ideology by extension. But we know racism is a great evil, at least that's how good and decent men and women have always contextualized the dynamic. So now you have a US Senator who is adversarial to the teachings of Dr. King. You have a US Senator who's completely adversarial to the idea of a race diverse culture where fairness and equity is on the agenda. You see to him being racist is just a difference of opinion and should not have any burden on how you do your job. The problem is racism is so extreme that it forces you to engage through the prism of bias. Military, that's interesting, sir. You realize that if they're racist, they are racist against other members of the military. And they are racist against the individuals that they may have to engage with overseas. Does this sound like a good recipe to you, Senator? There's more. So in the interview, here's what he said, let's put it up. We are losing in the military so fast, Tuberville told WBHM. Our readiness in terms of recruitment and why, I'll tell you why. Because the Democrats are attacking our military, saying we need to get out the white extremist and white nationalist. People that don't believe in our agenda. As Joe Biden's agenda, they're destroying it. This year, we will not reach any recruiting goals in the military. So if we wanna talk about looking weak, that's where we're going to look weak. The irony of it all. So you had your massive decrease starting actually under the presidency of Donald Trump. And talk to those who were in the US military while Trump was president and how they basically had to figure out to make sure this guy did not destroy the rest of the world. I mean, literally ignoring him, I'm talking about top brass. Stopping Donald Trump and his more wicked urges as it relates to using the military. So let's go to the statement that his office issued. So we heard what Tuberville said, right? Let's go to the statement. Senator Tuberville's quote that is cited shows that he was being skeptical of the notion that there are white nationalists in the military. And not that he believes they should be in the military. The statement from a spokesperson said, ah, we're so thankful you cleared that up. He believes the men and women in uniform are patriots. Defense Secretary Lord Austin seems to think otherwise, subjecting them to extremism training as his very first act in office, the cost that cost us Four million man hours, man hours, y'all kill people. Literally, and sometimes you kill the wrong person. And you're complaining about man hours for training. It is interesting how the spin works here, right? Oh, he wasn't saying, no, no, no. He didn't say he was okay with white nationalists. That, that was a slip of the tongue. He was saying, what white nationalists? See, that's, that's better. He, he just thinks none exist, which makes him delusional, much better. All right, 
put him up, Pentagon. All right, the Pentagon report released in October 2020 describes extremism as a threat to the military with concerns of violence and endangered morale. So Gary Reed, that's him, the director of Defense for Intelligence and Counterintelligence said in the press release, and I quote, we are doing everything we can to eliminate extremism in the Department of Defense. He continues, DOD policy expressly prohibits military personnel from actively advocating supremacist, extremist, or criminal gang doctrine, ideology, or causes. But the US Senator says it's all good. Meanwhile, Representative Mike Waltz is set to introduce the Warrior Act today. A bill that will combat the US military's diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and end instruction of critical race theory at service academies. You see, it's called the one-two combination here. Under the Biden administration, the Pentagon has diverted its focus from from lethality and has and have instead pushed initiatives that have politicized our warfighting ranks and harmed our military readiness. Our military faces the worst recruiting crisis since the Vietnam War because young Americans don't want to join what was once a trusted institution that has become overly politicized and hyper-focused on DEI initiatives. Walt's bill would prohibit appropriated funds from going to any military investigations of potential extremists. There you go, Uh, let's eliminate the department that investigates extremists because we want people we train to kill others to be vetted, right? That's why we have it there in the first place. You want to eliminate the budget in order to make a political point. You want to eliminate the budget that keeps us safe. You want the American government to train people to kill and to create explosives and to get top secret clearance without being vetted or investigated beforehand, you're a coward. Who would make such a decision? You would make a decision like that for your own company, but you want the American government to make that decision because of your politics. It's a damn shame. Uh, Jeff, thoughts here. (sighs) He said, this country is for all of us and we're all the same. It doesn't make any difference if you're rich, poor, black, white, Everybody's an American has opportunity to make this country better. And this was after a big rant about what Democrats are doing. So everybody, except for the Democrats. And yeah, let's go back to what his office claimed. They were being his PR department and trying to clear up what he meant. He Mm -hmm. knows that white nationalists are in the military. He wants white nationalists in the military and he's okay with them being in the military. He sees them as a fighting force for good. His good, not the Democrats good or anybody else's good. His good and what his ideology speaks for this country. So thank you PR department, I guess, for exposing who not only he is, but who you are as well. We know who both you are now. There you go. All right, we got more, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of comments, read as many as I can. Little press for time. Um, Unbossed, all right? I want you to check out Unbossed with Nina Turner. Learn how people can take back control of democracy from corrupt forces in government and in media. Find clips of Unbossed 
by scanning the QR code or going to youtube.com forward slash unbossed TYT. Fascinating woman, fascinating show. Really interesting, Democrat donors, well, they want NBA legends to run for office. Let's put it up full mass, okay? Let's talk about this plan. Florida Democrats have put former NBA legends Dwayne Wade and Grant Hill at the top of their wish list as they look for a strong candidate to run against Senator Rick Scott in the 2024 election. I think both of these gentlemen are actually stellar individuals, all right? I really do. They're human like anyone else, good people. There have been strong efforts led by Democratic donors to get both men to consider stepping into politics. But three sources familiar with the effort say the push hasn't been from the state or national parties, according to NBC News. Some donors feel recruiting a candidate who is popular throughout the state and has the ability to self-fund their own campaign could reset the political narrative. Now, where is this likely coming from? Okay, so this is Florida. Right, this is the Democratic side of Florida. So they're looking at their neighbor, Georgia. They always look at Georgia. And in Georgia, Herschel Dam Walker almost became a US Senator. And let's be frank, I mean, the guy won, I'm talking about Senator Warnock won by less than 1%. Herschel Walker slaughtered every single Republican in the Republican primary, including Republicans who were already elected statewide, had already won Republican primaries statewide. He beat them too. He did not go to one debate in the Republican primary, not one. And so you see, if he would have at least not told that vampire and werewolf story, he may be a US Senator today. So Florida Democrats are saying, well, Maybe we can apply some of that strategy here. Now, let me just say this. Um, I am not comparing these gentlemen to Herschel Walker. All right, there is nobody I can think of in my mind that I can actually compare to Herschel Walker. All right, um, Grant Hill has great name ID. He would raise a boatload of money. And is one of the smartest guys you ever meet, said John Morgan to NBC News, an Orlando-based trial attorney and national Democratic donor, who has spoken directly with Hill about his desire for him to run. Grant Hill will beat the ish out of Rick Scott. All right, uh, Grant Hill, brother, don't eat that rib sandwich. That man has no idea if you'll beat Rick Scott or not, okay? Don't eat that rib sandwich. If you run for something, you run for something based on your decision, your research, and your people doing the fact checks. Don't eat that rib sandwich, okay? Uh, obviously, I'm much more concerned with your politics as it relates to policy. Now, I know where you stand on some things because I see what you support and the values that you exude, and I think they're good. But to be in this position, having a defined political policy personality is required. Not because you may get co-opted by Republicans, we know that won't happen. But because you may get co-opted by mainstream Democrats who tell you, you can't help those folks. It's not the right time to support this bill. No, you can't say that on 
TV. I don't want you to be that person. So definitely, I wanna know your politics if you choose to run, and that goes for anybody, all right? Um, Hill played seven seasons with the Orlando Magic and reportedly still lives in Orlando. He campaigned with Hillary Clinton in 2016 in Jacksonville and has criticized President Donald Trump over disrespectful comments he made about the city of Baltimore. Hill hasn't shown political aspirations in the past. The party also targeted Dwayne Wade as a prime candidate. The former NBA star spent 13 seasons with the Miami Heat, but recently opened up about moving his family out of the state because Florida Republicans filed more than 15 anti-trans bills alone during the 2023 legislative session. Wade has a 15-year-old transgender daughter. Top donors and party leaders know they need different kinds of candidates with pre-existing profiles to mount statewide campaigns, said a veteran Florida Democratic operative who was granted anonymity to discuss candidate recruiting strategy with NBC. There's a short list of retired athletes and business leaders who could fit that bill. And Dwayne Wade tops that list. There are definitely conversations underway about recruiting Wade or retired athlete like him to challenge Scott. All right, here we go. Um, They're not recruiting you because of your political prowess. They're not recruiting you because of your policy stance, nor because of your existing political capital or popularity. They are recruiting you because you played a sport and good at it. Remember that, I don't mind you walking that into the door, uh, but make sure if you do, if you do, you're standing up for the least of these in every meeting that you attend. You see, you have the opportunity to be different because you got something they would never have. And that's popularity entering into the political mainframe. You can use that, you can use it, all right? Um, So I don't know what's gonna happen here. It will be interesting to see. Um, I was engaged in conversations like this when I was head of the state Democratic Party for Georgia. Um, I remember a day, dear brother, when Senator Warnock, who was just Reverend Warnock at that time, he walked into my office. This was years before he ran for Senate. He talked about wanting to run for Senator one day. We had a great conversation, stayed in my office for about an hour. So I knew he wanted to do this. When the time was right, our dear brother ran for office and he won. He's a US Senator this very moment, right? So sometimes the conversation starts And it's a cycle or two before the actual race happens. Thoughts? I mean, just today, we've had a story about a former reality TV star becoming president, a former college football (laughs) player, a a politician. So it is in the very easy realm of possibility for Grant Hill to run for public office one day in uh, in Orlando or in Florida. And I wanna say, I'm a huge fan of Grant Hill. I, I can remember the Grant Hill drink Sprite commercial. I wore his feelers in grade school. I wanted to play piano like him because he played. But like you said, if he's not gonna support the least of these as part of policy, if he were to run, he better not step anywhere near a pole or at any point near Florida. But yep. I guess we'll see because it is very much in a realm of possibility here in America. Uh, definitely, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I want it to be a good thing, that's all. All right, PSA, this is a PSA. Remember, we've heard police officers yell, gun, there's no gun. But all of a sudden, everybody starts shooting. We've also had a police officer tell indisputable, cops will say certain things just to get it on record, such as gun, to justify shooting. or They sometimes will yell, stop resisting to Mm. justify charging you with obstruction and utilizing excessive force if they want to, okay? 
Cops have told us this. We have a video that shows us this. Here it is. Huh? Can you tell me what I did wrong? Okay. Shut your car. What I do wrong? Shut your car. Come on. Shoot. Shut your car. You gonna shoot me? Got a gun. Where? Gun. Where? Shut the car. Where? Where? My hand in there. Shut the car. Shut. No, I ain't. Hey, come shut the car off. I ain't moving my hands. He trying to shoot me. He trying to shoot me. Shut your car off. You sh- nah, I ain't moving. Nope. My hand in the air. Shut your car off. My hand in the air. Okay. He's alive. The officer said, gun. He had no gun. He did, in my opinion, the absolute best thing. He stuck his hands outside of that car. He kept those hands outside of that car. He saw the move. He saw what was about to happen. He said, uh-uh. I'm keeping my hands right here. Put up the picture full mass. As I said, this is a public service announcement. That's a throwback video. Let me explain what happened in that video. Hmm. Officer Terry Doherty, who was seen in a viral video pointing a gun at a man and then dragging him out of a moving car, was fired from the police city's police force, from the city's police force for violating department policy in 2019. Doherty asked the driver, Edric Truitt, for identification. Truett pulled out his phone and began filming the encounter first. What I did saved my life, he told CBS 3 WREG. That's why I'm here talking to y'all. If not, y'all would be covering a story about how I got shot. The Washington Post has tracked police shootings showing a record high last year. Look at this. This is why we say defund the police, see that? Now with all of these new killings that the police are doing, crime is still not resolved. Why? Because police are not crime solvers. They've also confirmed that black Americans are killed at a much higher rate by cops than other groups. Uh, Which color do you think represents black people on that chart? Okay. People under the age of 40 make up the largest group who are fatally shot by the police. Most victims are young. There's your data. It's out of control. All right, so I put this on record. I wanted to do this today to make sure that there was a record of this happening to somebody. Knowing that the officers that have told me and others that cops would do things like this to justify their next action. Understand that we're on to you. We are on to you. So what policy refuses to address, what feckless leaders refuse to address, we will. We will. We will do what we can do in the arena of public opinion. All right, Jeff, thoughts here. The urgency at which that cop yelled gun, but then didn't follow that up with is very, very scary because he just said it, but then tried to continue to talk to the man knowing that he did not mean it. And another scary aspect of this thing is sure, the man had to put his own life in his own hands because apparently the officer didn't care about it. And he pulled out his phone. We have seen numerous times the cops confuse a phone for a weapon as well. All of this needs to be put out in for the sake of a PSA. So I'm glad we're definitely talking about this because again, even that phone could have been seen as a weapon. I'm glad it wasn't at this point and he recorded what was happening because his life was definitely on the line. Yeah, yeah, I concur. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay.
All right, welcome back. This is one of the absolute worst stories you will ever hear. Put up the picture. What if I told you a biological father gets contacted by his biological daughter years, years later? Because the daughter was given up for adoption. In her adulthood, she wants to find a father, she finds him. He then violates his own daughter. A woman who was given up for adoption as an infant, tracked down her biological father years later, only to be sexually abused by him in a hotel once they finally met. The unidentified woman was given up for adoption by him, Ronald. Antonor, 53 years of age, a wannabe influencer and pro wrestling manager known as Ron Ratcatcher, according to the smoking gun. I'm going to give you the background to this very sad story. So the daughter traveled to meet her father. This was August 2021 in Florida. At the learning of his identity and connected with him on social media. According to affidavit shared this week by the site, it's unclear how old the woman was at the time. There, the pair spent the day drinking before going back to a hotel room where they both did drugs together. They did acid. That's according to the complaint. The victim stated that as the acid took effect, she became physically unable to resist her dad who then had sex with her while she was laying on the bed. That's according to the complaint also. As the effects of the acid began to wane, the victim was able to flee and immediately contacted a boyfriend who told him what happened, according to the document. The boyfriend alerted the hotel and Antoinette became alarmed and fled. When a private security guard arrived, according to the documents, which added, that the dad abandoned the victim once he had his way with her during a post Miranda interview. This father, if you could call him that, made incriminating statements as to what had taken place between himself and the victim, the docs state. The dad who listed an address in Alabama was busted in Clearwater last week and charged with felony sexual battery, felony incest, online records show. He was also charged with misdemeanor possession of drug paraphernalia. It was not immediately clear why he was arrested now for the alleged attack. He remains in custody on bond totaling $302,150, according to records. He has pleaded not guilty to the charges and ordered not to have contact with his daughter, court records show. All right, let's put this um, piece of garbage back up on the screen. I want to highlight the story because, you know, I was a foster child myself. And I was lucky to know my mother. And I'm blessed to know my father. Even then, even back then, I knew who they were, I knew them. Sometimes I went years without having communication with them, but I knew them. There are some situations where there's a reason why you weren't raised by this monster. 
I'm sorry this happened to you. Obviously, in his old age, he did not get better. All right, Jeff, thoughts here. I'm sorry, this one is beyond my comprehension at this point. I should probably have something better to add or say, but this one is, un I wanna say it was unbelievable, I'm sorry. I wanted to say it was unbelievable. Honestly, we've seen a number of these come up. So, yeah. I, God bless that woman. Yeah, um, I wanna make sure everybody is aware of who he is uh, and the evil that he brings to this world. A man shoots a 14 year old girl for playing hide and seek. Let's put up the picture full mask, okay? David V. Doyle, a Louisiana man has been arrested in connection to the shooting of a 14 year old child in the back of the head while she was playing hide and seek over the weekend. David V. Doyle is 58 of Starks, was arrested on suspicion of aggravated battery, four counts of aggravated assault with the firearm and the illegal discharge of a firearm. He was booked into the, to the correctional facility. The girl who ironically and miraculously is alive after being shot in the back of the head by this man, was taken to a local hospital but she was treated for non-life-threatening injuries. And family members told the television station that she is recovering and appears to be okay. Let's keep his picture up. She's okay because he did not shoot her where he wanted the bullet to land. Let me say that again. She's going to live because the bullet did not land where he wanted the bullet to land. Usually in a jurisdiction that is called attempted murder, okay? Attempted murder, but he's charged with aggravated assault, misuse of a firearm, discharge, illegal discharge of a firearm. Deputies early Sunday morning responded to the Starks home on the report of a shooting. Detectives determined that several juveniles who were playing hide and seek were on the neighbor's property. Mr. Doyle told the investigators that he went to retrieve a firearm from his home after seeing shadows outside his home. And that when he returned, he saw people running away from his property and he, he started to open fire, striking the girl, the report said. Louisiana has a stand your ground law that can be used to justify deadly force when acting in self-defense, preventing a violent crime, or if someone unlawfully enters a home, vehicle, or place of business. Clearly, in the man's own statement, that is attempted murder to shoot at children as they are running away. You either knew or should have known it could end in death or serious injury. Now, in this case, he was arrested swiftly. Now, we've seen other cases that are clear cut to us, okay? But it took the authorities some time to come to our conclusion that took no time. I don't believe Mr. Doyle um, was somehow afraid. Um, individuals running away, children playing hide and seek. I think there's this willingness now to push it, 
to push the envelope, see what you can get away with. Because other people have. You cannot dismiss the reality that other people have gotten away with this very same thing. Maybe that was in Mr. Doyle's mind. Who knows? Sharing thoughts here. He's a monster. And uh, as I picture what the Klan did and still does sometimes to children, he comes to mind. This behavior comes to mind. He's yeah. a monster. Yeah, um, this case is going to obviously go through the judicial process. We will see if the charges get upgraded. They definitely should. All right. If anybody else shoots at children, a, a group of children, you charge with attempted murder in every jurisdiction I know of. Uh, if there's a plea deal, that comes later. But to charge this cat with aggravated battery, come on. All right, there's a coach. As a coach, his name is Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins um, decides to make offensive slurs. Well, here it is. Um, absolutely. I mean, you, you. I tell you what, any any school that can throw rubber penises on the floor and then say they didn't do it, <laughs> by God, they can get away with anything. <laughs> I, 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 rubber penis. Was this I like think that was at the Crosstown shootout, wasn't it? It was transgender night, wasn't it? What? Was that it? It was a, it was a Crosstown shootout. Yeah, no, what it was was all those, <laughs> those Catholic <laughs> All right. They, they, were, they were envious they didn't have one. <laughs> well, Steve, your comments about Bob Huggins. Is he the best? He's the, he's the best. Y'all at work. He's the best. This man literally just utilized slurs against members of the LGBTQ community. You all laughed and then said he's the best. Let's talk about um, your best. Put him up full mass. West Virginia University basketball coach Bob Huggins has now reached an agreement with the university after he uttered anti-gay slurs on radio earlier this week while referencing a game between Xavier and Crosstown rival Cincinnati. He actually coached there from 1989 to 2007. In a reworked contract, the Hall of Famers, $4.2 million salary has been slashed to $3.2 million. He will also be suspended for three games of the season. Oh My goodness, how is he going to live on such meager income? $3.2 million? Wow, what a punishment. The school also announced that any incidents of similar derogatory and offensive language will result in immediate termination. And Huggins' contract is now a year to two year agreement. The restructured deal comes two days after he was, after he referred to Xavier fans as Catholic F words, okay? It is the anti LGBTQ slur during an interview with Bill Cunningham on WLW in Cincinnati, okay? The longtime coach who has been at West Virginia since 2007, met with school president E. Gordon G on Tuesday. And the university's board of trustees were involved in the decision to retain him, not to fire him. And they restructured their deal per ESPN. So they basically used it as an opportunity to give themselves a better deal with him, okay? Um, technically, he could enforce the old contract, whole different set of laws involved. Monday, Huggins released a statement and it says, I deeply regret my actions. The hurt 
they unfairly caused others and the negative attention my words have brought to West Virginia University. Huggins says, I also regret the embarrassment and disappointment it has caused our athletics family, members of our campus community and the state of West Virginia. Are you going to apologize to the people you actually offended? Hmm. Are you going to highlight some nuances of your, I guess, epiphany of what you did? No, um, I highly doubt you even wrote the damn release, sir. Highly doubt it. Um, here's what this comes down to. When decisions like this are made, ladies and gentlemen, I don't give a damn what they tell you. Decisions like this are made based on who they're willing to offend and be okay with offending. They have said clearly, we are okay with offending members of the LGBTQ community. We're okay with it. And since they're okay with that, I'm not okay with them. You see, I believe in the coalition. I understand that where this exists, where Huggins exists, and he says things that are antithetical to the LGBTQ community, I guarantee you he said things that are antithetical to me. Antithetical to black folk, antithetical to progress. Guaranteed, that's my belief. Now, when we play with this stuff, it typically comes back to bite them in the ass. So we shall see if the decision to retain Huggins was worth it. Jeff, thoughts? I'm not enjoying Bob Huggins' ties to Ohio. Again, he was the coach at the University of Cincinnati, and E. Gordon Gee used to be the Ohio State University's president. So not having fun with that. But yes, his apology did not explicitly go out to reach for the LGBTQ community or Catholics. Right, that's true. And so whoever his ghostwriter was or who wrote his lyrics for him didn't do a great enough job either way. So yeah, I'm pretty sure this is gonna come back to bite them because retaining him probably isn't gonna be worth it. Right, and here's the thing. So I'm, I'm telling the school this, I'm sure somebody in the administration will get this clip. Uh, you don't have to worry about the things he would say in the future. I'm talking about things that he said in the past that are now gonna come back up. All right, you're gonna have to deal with that part first. All right, dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, you can catch me on Rebel HQ almost every day of the week. And I have a YouTube channel called We Gonna Be All Right. Thank you, dear brother, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.